money. You, you got to raise money. And investors are fickle. They are very fickle. They invest in some things that you wouldn't think that they would. And then others seem like no brainers and nobody wants to put in a dime. So you, you've got to fight that battle too. That is David Hamilton, Executive Director of Stony Brook University's Clean Energy Business Incubator Program and Chief Operating Officer for the University's Advanced Energy Research and Technology Center, cutting to the heart of the matter for early-stage energy and technology businesses, something he does often and throughout today's energizing conversation on Spark, the Innovate Long Island podcast. Power up, dear listeners. This is Spark, the Innovate Long Island podcast, featuring up-close conversations with the inventors, investors, executives, and entrepreneurs fueling the dynamic Long Island innovation economy. Spark is a production of Innovate Long Island, the home of exceptional thought in Nassau and Suffolk and beyond. Today's episode is made possible by the generous support of Stony Brook-based Thermolift, where brilliant technology and singular focus are creating the future of clean energy. Stony Brook University cornerstone David Hamilton is one of the hardest workers in all of Long Island innovation. If there's a green energy startup or a next generation technology project in these parts, and of course there are plenty of both, chances are Dave's fingerprints are all over it. Officially, he wears two hats, Executive Director of Stony Brook's Clean Energy Business Incubator Program and Chief Operating Officer for the University's Advanced Energy Research and Technology Center, a New York State Center of Excellence. They certainly sound lofty, but the titles barely do justice to Dave's behind-the-scenes efforts. He is a teacher, a mentor, a master networker, a logistics expert, and a team leader, helping dozens of client companies navigate the treacherous waters of business development. Exactly the kind of roll-up-your-sleeves-and-get-her-done type inexperienced early-stage entrepreneurs need to show them the way. With the AERTC guiding advanced energy enterprises through the latter stages of the pandemic, and CBIP, the so-called incubator without walls, welcoming an infusion of new blood, including its first-ever international clients, Dave is busier than ever. And we're grateful we could pry him loose to spend a few minutes with us today. David Hamilton, welcome to Spark. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate the opportunity. That's quite an introduction. Hope I can live up to it. Thank you. Well, you already have. That's where the introduction came from. So um, before we look to the future, let's travel to the past, my friend. Uh, Your academic credentials are ideal for someone charged with ushering scientists and other innovators through the early stages of commercialization. Uh, You have a bachelor's degree in electrical and computer engineering from Upstate's Clarkson University and an MBA in marketing from Long Island's own Hofstra University. Uh, You also spent time with Lilco, the Long Island lighting company, Long Island's uh, longtime power utility, managing independent power producers. Uh, So you've clearly got the resume for the job, but how exactly did you wind up running the Advanced Energy Center and CBIP? Sure. Uh, It's been a winding career path for me uh, since uh, I got my electrical engineering degree from Clarkson. Uh, when, I, when I came out of Clarkson with an engineering degree, I decided that I didn't want to be an engineer, an engineer's engineer. That wasn't, uh, that, that wasn't what I was good at and that wasn't what I wanted to do. So, um, so as you said, I started, uh, I started at Lilco working with independent power producers 
And from there, I had to make a decision. Do I continue in the utility space or did I leap off uh, and go into the startup world where I had an opportunity uh, to go into a wireless telecom company? And so um, I decided to jump. And from there, as startups are want to do, not all of them succeeded. So bounced around from a couple startups, had uh, opportunities to work at Sirius Satellite Radio when it was still CD radio, built their terrestrial network for them. Um, work for Plug Power up in uh, Latham by Albany, helping them uh, with their fuel cell companies, uh, their fuel cell technologies. And, uh, you know, the path led me to realize that startup companies and innovation and entrepreneurship was something that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the environment working there. And uh, then I had an opportunity through uh, Dr. Yakov Shamash, who at the time was uh, Dean of Engineering and Vice President of Economic Development at Stony Brook, to come in and help them stand up uh, a clean energy business incubator program, which they did not have at Stony Brook at the time. And I didn't know a thing about incubation, but I knew about companies. I knew about real world problems. And I could talk with engineers as well as understand the business side of things. So I gave it a shot and the rest is history. Now, I know you worked closely with uh, Dr. Shamash and also with uh, Anil Dandali, who is a, a big thinker in the uh, energy front and also long associated with Stony Brook University. Did you learn anything specific from these pioneers that uh, help you set your priorities uh, or influence your managerial style today? I, I learned tons from both. Uh, Yakov is exceptional at networking and leveraging contacts and leveraging assets that uh, that his associates have and pulling them all together to create this uh, very large economic development ecosystem that Stony Brook University has. Um, you know, Yakov brought in two centers of excellence, uh, a couple centers of advanced technology and uh, multiple other economic development programs. So watching Yakov be able to reach out and uh, pull all these different resources together from nothing um, was impressive to watch, and it made me realize that there are, uh, you know, uh, there are capabilities to grab what may seem like um, disparate resources, but you can still pull them together. So I've always kept that in my mind as I've looked at uh, running the incubator. And uh, Anil Dandale was my absolute mentor when I, uh, when I came to Stony Brook. Uh, Anil had been in the Stony Brook system for a while. He had been the director of incubation. He knew what it took to work with startup companies, what it took to uh, build an incubator. Um, yeah, he handed me the reins. He said, go do it. Um, but he was a calming influence. Uh, he never got upset, you know, as we're trying to build this thing and we're dealing with all of the you know, the bells and whistles and all the hiccups and hurdles that come with trying to stand up a new program. He just calmly uh, helped guide the ship through. And, um, you know, I always take a deep breath and think of Anil when I'm starting to get frustrated because Anil was always able to calmly do what he needed to do to get it, to get it done. And uh, Anil, even though he's retired now, still influences my thought process and how I run CBIP uh, to this day. We'll get to CBIP in a second. Let's let's start with the AERTC, uh, the Advanced Energy Center. Uh, tell us about that center, what you do, and how you do it. Sure, uh, I'm I'm a real lucky guy that I get to be uh, 
affiliated and part of this uh, of this center. Uh, this is a 50,000 square foot building that uh, is built on the R&D campus at Stony Brook University. Uh, the Energy Center conceptually was created in 2009. The building, I believe, launched, uh, was built and opened their doors in 2011. And um, I was brought on to help uh, to help run it in uh, January of 2018. And the Energy Center, as you mentioned in the, in the beginning, is a New York State Center of Excellence uh, funded by NYSTAR. And what we really do is we look at advanced energy from multiple angles. Um, we look at it from a research perspective. So we have research labs in the building where we have researchers from Stony Brook University and scientists from Brookhaven National Lab that are doing cutting edge uh, energy research in the building. Uh, we also have physical incubator space. So we have seven companies in the building right now that are doing various uh, energy related uh, commercialization efforts. And then we also have multiple centers and institutes and uh, collaborative efforts with industry between our researchers, between our startup companies and industry out in the real world, whether it's uh, utilities, whether it's uh, offshore wind manufacturers or developers, whatever it may be. So those are kind of the three legs to the stool, all with the goal of pushing advanced energy forward, getting it uh, ready to commercialize and having it ready to make an impact on the world. This is uh, this is important work doing away with fossil fuels, embracing sustainable sources, uh, modernizing power grids. Uh, all of that is very much in vogue and, and critically important. Uh, I imagine the center and its clients have no problem finding uh, academic and industrial partners beyond Stony Brook. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we we work with automotive companies that are looking for the next battery for an electric vehicle. We work with the gas utilities trying to figure out how we can move from the classic natural gas system that we have now to perhaps a renewable natural gas system where we have hydrogen injected into the system, uh, you know, green natural gas, renewable natural gas. So we work with the utilities. Um, Long Island now or soon is going to be the hotbed of offshore wind. Um, per the governor's requirements, we are going to have 9,300 megawatts of offshore wind um, in the next 10, 15 years, I believe. And so all that power has to come directly onto Long Island and then get shipped off to the rest of New York State. So we're working with the offshore wind developers to look at how are we going to interconnect, what system upgrades maybe we have to make on the utility side of things. Uh, all of that. So we have offshore wind developers, utilities, car manufacturers, and every other industry in the clean energy world uh, looking to communicate with us and to do research with us or collaborate in some shape or form. Sustainability, uh, clean generation technologies, uh, of course, these things also play huge in the uh, Clean Energy Business Incubator Program. Uh, tell us about CBIP. Sure, Greg, absolutely. Um, CBIP, it, it, it's a wonderful program. Um, I know I built it and I'm not saying that um, because I did, CBIP has turned into something really, really special, um, specifically because we have uh, a great team that works uh, works for me on this program and has made it better, Heidi Anderson and Shruti Sharma. So what, what CBIP does is um, we are funded by NYSERDA. We're one of six clean energy incubators uh, across the state. And we work with clean energy startup companies and we really help them figure out what they want to be when they grow wow. up, right? So we've been doing it since 2011. We've worked with over 50 companies. We've got 11 active companies in our portfolio now, 
we've graduated um, four um, recently, which is very exciting because when we work with um, very beginning stage companies, especially in the clean energy space where they're making a product, it takes time. It's not a one-year, two-year process. It's a 10-year process. Those are the first so four have, graduates of, out of uh, the entire program. Sure. Yeah. The, yes. We just graduated our first four. We started with Thermolift, then we had Renewable, Qnect, and uh, just uh, last month, Bonded Energy. And we have Edgewise actually graduating in December. So, uh, you know, to me, that graduation validates what we're doing at CBIP. It shows that we can take a company that starts from nothing and we can get it to a place to release it into the world and um, they can start making an impact. And that's what our ultimate goal is. And not everyone makes it through the program, right? Nope, not, not at all. Um, we have some companies that fade away. They do the best they can. We have other companies that just get to a certain point and they can't take it further. Um, we do a very very stringent uh, vetting and triage of our companies. And if companies are not moving forward at a speed that's acceptable, we, we part ways with them. So like I said, we've had 50 some odd companies um, that, uh, that we've worked with. We have 11 now, we've graduated four. So I guess that's around 35 companies that did not make it through our program. Some are still out there. They, you know, we parted ways. They're doing their own thing, which is fine. Uh, not everything we do is suitable for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, no, um, successes are rare in, uh, in the incubation world. Just uh, to look at this from a different angle for a moment, what seems to do in the companies that don't make it through more often? Is it that their original idea for their product or service doesn't really fly? Or is it that they can't keep up with the stringent nature of the program? Some combination thereof? Oh, there's, there's a lot of variables, Greg. It, um, everyone is different. I mean, Sometimes the tech just isn't there, right? You can only get the tech to a certain point. You realize you can't commercialize it or it doesn't provide a value. It doesn't solve a problem, mm -hmm. no matter how great the idea may have seemed in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's about the team, uh, the, the, the entrepreneurial team that's working on it. Sometimes they go their separate ways. Sometimes they don't take critiques or advice and they think we're wrong. That's okay. Not, not all advice is good for all people. They're the CEOs and leaders. So they decide they're going to do their own thing. Um, sometimes the market just isn't ready for it. We've had some great technologies. Uh, we've had some uh, ocean wave technologies uh, that were stellar mm -hmm. and they worked great, but the market wasn't ready for them yet. And you can't just keep waiting forever. Sooner or later, you're running out of money. You got to go feed your wife and kids mm -hmm. and you've got to, you've got to go do other things. So a, a lot of factors. Um, and then, you know, the last one is money. You, you got to raise money and investors are fickle. They are very fickle. They invest in some things that you wouldn't think that they would. And then others seem like no brainers and nobody wants to put in a dime. So you've you got to fight that battle too. Now, as, as you've graduated uh, these four companies, I know that the CBIC program is, uh, is welcoming some new clients. You've uh, put out sort of the call for fresh blood. Uh, what can you tell us about some of your uh, newcomer clients? Sure. Um, yes, we, we, for the longest time, we did not have to go out and market, right? It was the, the, it seemed like any startup company in our region had heard of us from somebody and they were always knocking on our door. So we always had a very robust pipeline, uh, which made it pretty easy. Um, but as you know, we've gotten older. We we provide more services. We're looking for more mature companies. So we decided to go out and do a little marketing campaign. 
And uh, we wanted to look at national and international, not just regional, right? We had some conversations with NYSERDA and NYSERDA um, said, yes, you don't have to be a New York state company. Let's, uh, let's look for a national presence. So, um, so, you know, we went out and we looked and we were looking for you know, coachable companies with a great tech and a great market. And uh, we had a lot of really good interests. And since then, we've, we've brought in a, a couple companies and ironically, they're still regional. Uh, so uh, a couple companies from, uh, from Brooklyn, one from Rochester. Um, we, we brought in a company from Israel, mm. which was outstanding. Um, that was uh, a lot of lessons learned there dealing with an international company. Uh, we helped them for a little bit. Um, and then the distance really became a little problematic. And so um, we decided to part ways for a little bit there and maybe reconvene at a, at a future time when they're more ready to come to the States. So, uh, but we've got a couple, you know, really nice new companies to, uh, like you said, some fresh blood to, to bring into the incubator all at different stages. And, and we're excited. So we've lost a couple as they graduate. Now we've got the new ones to take their place. So it's the next generation of companies that will get the help. It didn't work out with that company from Israel, but probably some lessons learned there in dealing with international clients. Uh, I know that the incubator is engaging its first ever uh, international outreach, uh, sort of greasing the skids specifically for foreign clean gen companies looking to make inroads in U.S. markets. Um, what can you, and I, I think it's has to do with Nordic countries. Um, tell us about that. You're, you're absolutely right. Thank, thank you for bringing that up. This, this is very exciting. You know, this is something, you know, every day CBIP is a new adventure. We do new things and this, uh, this is a great opportunity. Uh, one, one of our board members has a relationship with, um, multiple Nordic companies, uh, countries, excuse me, and uh, specifically an organization called the Nordic Innovation House. And she felt that there could be some synergies. So she connected it up. And that's what the world is, right? It's about networking. It's about um, third party introductions. And you don't know where they're going to go. You take the call, you have a conversation. And, and it turned out that this Nordic Innovation House, their job is to help Nordic companies uh, come over here into the States. And we decided that we were going to put together an accelerator program, a six-month accelerator program to work with companies from the Nordic countries that in clean energy space that are looking to come here uh, to the States. And they want to understand what's involved to do business here in the States in the clean energy world. So um, we put together a program. Um, we are going to be uh, recruiting companies and bringing companies on board to Nordic Spark is what we're calling it. Uh, in the next couple months, we hope to, to launch it in January and it'll be a six month program where hopefully come the end of June, 2022, um, we'll have uh, some companies from Finland, Iceland, uh, wherever they may be, um, come here into the States and bring their, uh, bring their technologies and we'll continue to help them uh, grow over here. So it's a very exciting program that we haven't done before and we, we can't wait to launch it and dive into it. You mentioned uh, that uh, your uh, it came from an advisory board member who happened to have connections in that part of the world. Uh, I know that with both of these programs, uh, you've assembled a fairly phenomenal team of advisors and mentors, uh, some, some big names, some real talent. Uh, what can you tell us about how you go about recruiting uh, these advisory board members? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I like to say that we've got the hardest working advisory board in the in, in the energy business. Uh, these these guys and ladies they are they are gems. They 
give us eight, 12 hours of their time every month, volunteers. Um, they dive deep in anything that we ask them to do. So in, in, in the beginning, the advisory board concept was we were standing up this incubator. Here's Dave Hamilton, who worked for a bunch of startups, but did not know what you know a classic incubator should look like. So what does someone do when they don't know what it should look like or when they're not really sure what's going to happen next? They go get help from the experts, right? You know, you don't have to be an expert at everything. You find the people who are the experts. So Anil Dandale and I started standing up this advisory board and the advisory board would meet with our companies. They'd review pitch decks. They'd provide advice. And as CBIP has grown and our wants and needs have grown and our companies um, have become more sophisticated, we've realized we needed to grow our board. And so now we have 25 members on our board. We have high powered folks from the utility industry, from academia, from the investment community. We have a form, former, I don't know if you can ever be a former entrepreneur, uh, but we have serial entrepreneurs who have been there, done that. So we have IP attorneys, corporate law. Uh, we have folks that worked at BNL. It, it's an incredibly robust team. And they drop some were, names on us, Dave. Name some names. Well, uh, we, we, have Yaak, we have Yaakov Shamash from Stony Brook. He's uh, he was a no brainer, right? He stood all this up and he's part of Long Island Angels as well. Um, we have Jim Smith, who was the former head of the uh, AERTC. He brings in the manufacturing experience. Um, Ray Farrell, he's uh, got an IP attorney, he's an IP firm uh, here on Long Island. Ray is one of the most amazing people with regards to intellectual property, as well as networking. Uh, we have Scott Abrams. Um, we have Karen Frank. So it, uh, Lenny Poveromo from the Composite Prototyping Center. Um, we're very thrilled to have uh, Phil Palmetto. Phil Palmetto is a former Brookhaven National Lab researcher, MIT grad, uh, Long Island Angel investor. And in his spare time, he writes books about art. So, I mean, this the, the, <laughs> the man is a renaissance man. He's a renaissance man. He, he really is. And it's it's a great group. It really is. Anil Dandale in his retirement when he should be uh, fixing his Porsches and uh, and redoing the uh, Volkswagen uh, van that he's going to build so he and his wife can go gallivanting uh, still is on our advisory board and participates and has not missed a meeting. So um, we're, we're thrilled by our board and the level that they that they provide support. Couldn't do it without them. CBIP seriously would not be where we are if it was not for our board. Dave, you're obviously enthusiastic about this work. Um, what is it about clean energy and uh, advanced technology that excites you so much? Well, I mean, there's the, the, the you can go with the canned answer, right? You know, uh, we need to stop climate change. We need to we need to make the world a better place for our grandkids and and all of that. And and that's all true. Um, but working with these entrepreneurs, looking at what they are creating and the stuff that they're looking to do and the impact they're looking to make, uh, to me, that's the greatest thrill in this. Uh, working with these folks, I mean, I have a lot of things that I need to do. There's a lot of hats that I wear. There's a lot of Zoom meetings I go to. There's a lot of forms I need to fill out. Um, but the greatest thrill day in and day out is when I get to roll up my sleeves and dive in with these incubator companies, you know, looking at their energy, their enthusiasm, creating technologies that will change the world. Um, and it, I, I get off those calls and I'm juiced and I'm ready to rock and roll. So that, you know, 10 years later, I'm still loving what I do from uh, working with these entrepreneurs. Uh, it's not all easy. Some of the entrepreneurs are challenging. They know who they are. Um, but it's our job to, to help them move forward. And we have a mutual respect and we do what we need to do. And it's a lot of fun. 
I know at both programs, you're always planning big events and showcases uh, to show these guys off and introduce them to investors and uh, like-minded innovators. Uh, What's next on the agenda for uh, both programs? Big showcases coming up? Sure. Well, obviously, COVID has put a damper on a a lot of what we do um, when it comes to the networking and showing off. Um, Stony Brook University normally has uh, an annual innovation showcase where all of our incubator companies, and by the way, Stony Brook has a huge incubator network well above and beyond what I do at Stony Brook. Um, So we've got four buildings and multiple programs. Um, So I believe we will be having another one of those showcases next summer. So that's always a place where the companies come, put their stuff out on a table, and we bring in investors and government uh, folks and policymakers, we bring them all in and it's, and it's a big to do. Um, we're, we're, we're looking at some, some opportunities to do some virtual uh, showcases, pitch sessions. Uh, we're still trying to put them together. You know, we get these folks in front of people. That's why we were so successful for so long is we forced them to be in the room with others. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we continue to do that. Uh, and just as an example, we had a, a workshop this morning on um, how to how startup companies can work with uh, utilities, and we had uh, Con Ed, we had PSG, we had National Grid, and we had Fortis, which is a Canadian utility company. So you know the goal is we always want to get our folks in front of the right people and drive conversations, and that in turn will drive additional conversations, and ultimately they'll find that little nugget, that little piece of gold that they need. And that's uh, part of the way that we do this. David Hamilton, if the world is going to be spared the worst effects of global warming, it's behind-the-scenes innovators like yourself who are going to make that happen. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today and for giving us hope. Oh, you're, you're, you're welcome. There is a lot of hope. I mean, the world is a scary place. You turn on the news, and uh, it's not a lot of fun. There's a lot of things going on in the climate change side of things, but there's a lot of really hardworking people trying to do a lot of really exciting stuff. That may take a little bit of time, but, you know, we can make we can make an impact if we continue to push this forward. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about what we're doing and uh, and what the companies are looking to do. All right. Now, before I let you go, it's time for producer Arthur Germain's favorite part of the show. We're going to play a little game and you, David, get to choose what we play. I have my two cards here marked word association. And what is your favorite and why? Pick your poison, my friend. Oh my goodness! I probably sounded relatively intelligent for this whole thing, and now it's time to to make me uh, sound less so. Uh, let's go. Uh, favorite things, Wink, for five hundred. Which is your favorite, and why? Uh, all right, we'll start with an easy one, David. What is your favorite book? Favorite book: The Stand by Stephen King. Wow! Why it was one of the most brilliant books I read. It was scary, and there was pandemics before. We knew what it was and good and evil, and it was a great book. I am stunned when I ask this question, how many people name a Stephen King book as their favorite book? It's, it's, he is really just crosses all genres and has a remarkable following. I'm very jealous. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) Keep up with good work. You'll get there. Thank you. Uh, What is your favorite major league baseball team? Oh my goodness! That would I happen, be I happen to know. Yeah, I happen to know the answer to this one. You, you, you know the answer, and you're the reason why they didn't win this year. Um, <laughs> the, the New York Mets are my my favorite team for 
for better or worse. Yeah, I happen to know that, like I said, which is why I asked, uh, I have to say this this clearly belies your eternal optimism about humanity's future. So uh, I find that to be one of the more interesting parts of your personality. Every year I think they're going to win. And then, you know, three weeks later they're in last place and I realized that I was wrong again, but that's okay. Yes, but you keep coming back for more, which is what makes us Mets fans. Absolutely. Uh, what is your favorite off-campus lunch spot? Oh, my goodness. Uh, favorite off-campus lunch spot. Uh, that would be... Oh, um, and you know, believe it or not, I'm drawing a blank on the name. It's that wonderful burger place in Port Jefferson. Um, oh, is it the uh, Gourmet Burger Bistro? That's the one. They got oh, great that place burgers. Rocks. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they, that's a great place to go grab a, a nice burger and chat and relax a little bit. Yes, that is a very cool place. How about your favorite on-campus lunch spot? Well, that would be my office. I, I, you know, I, I sit there and I eat my frozen burrito if I have time to cook it or I, or I have a couple tangerines and that's the extent of my on-campus lunch spot. I don't get uh, out of the office much. Uh, so that's what I do there for, you know, again, better or worse. We would expect nothing less from the hardest working man in show business. Oh, uh, what is your favorite renewable energy source? Solar, wind, wave power, organic waste. CBIP has, has worked with them all. Yeah, we we have. Um, I would say the, the, my favorite one that's kept me the most entertained over the years, if nothing else, is offshore um, is, is ocean wave technology. If we can ocean, wave open wave, ocean wave technology, if we can figure out how to capture the power of an ocean wave and then bring that power uh, to the mainlands, uh, we could solve our energy problems around the world. The power. Think about it. If you walk out into the ocean and you get hit by a wave, it's mm -hmm. knocking you uh, head over tea kettle and it's flipping you all over the place from one wave. The, the power in an ocean wave is, is off the charts. We just got to figure out how to harness it efficiently. Excellent. And uh, what is your favorite Stony Brook University incubator that is not the Clean Energy Business Incubator Program? Well, I, I think we probably should say it's also not the Advanced Energy Center since I run that too. So that's that's a, a, a no-brainer. So uh, if, if we take those two things out, um, we have an exciting incubator right next door, which is the Center of Excellence for Wireless and IT. They do exciting work uh, in, uh, in the wireless space and in the information technology space. They've got three-dimensional things going on over there. They have a hologram room, hologram room that looks like something out of Star Trek. You walk in and you just get completely immersed. They've got some really cool things going on in that building. That's super cool. Uh, David, thank you for playing our game, and thanks again for coming on the show. You were terrific. You got it. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it, and keep up the good work on promoting everything that we do and others do in the innovation space on Long Island. It's, uh, it's I will do a good job. I will do that. You have my word. He is the executive director of the Clean Energy Business Incubator Program and chief operating officer of the Advanced Energy Research and Technology Center. I am the editor over at InnovateLI.com, and this is Spark, the Innovate Long Island podcast. Sincerest thanks, as always, to Innovate Long Island President Marlene McDonald, our treasured Season 2 sponsor, Thermolift, which probably wouldn't be on the verge of changing the way the entire human race cools and heats its homes and commercial spaces without CBIP's enormous help. Our intrepid man in the chair, the aforementioned Arthur Germain, and all the big brains over at Brand Telling. And of course, 
Thank you, dear listener, for your time, your ears, and your mental space. We'll be back to energize you next week, cleanly, of course. Until then, be well. You've been listening to Spark, the Innovate Long Island podcast with host Gregory Zeller. To recommend a guest, please contact us at editor at innovateli.com. And to learn how you can become a frontline leader in carbon reduction, please visit our sponsor, Thermolift, at thermoliftenergy.com, where the future of clean energy is happening right now.